Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to a very special episode of What's Eric Eating? As always, I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. We're going to break the format a little bit this week because I have invited all of my usual co-host to join me to talk about the year in food. We're going to go over our best new restaurants, our favorite dishes, uh, some of the restaurants that maybe reasserted themselves that, that opened in previous years. We're going to talk about the, the restaurants that closed that we're going to miss. And we'll probably even trash a couple of places and tell you how terrible their food was. Uh, let me introduce our panel one by one, starting with Mary Clarkson, the owner of La Olivier on Lower Westheimer. Everybody, happy to be here. Uh, Nathan Ketchum, a local restaurant consultant. How's it going? Shanna Jones, one half of the dynamic blogging duo that is Urban Swank. What's up? And of course, it wouldn't be, we would not be complete if we did not have your your partner in blogging, Felice Sloan. Hey, 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 hey. All right, y'all. So I've given you a little bit of an agenda. We're going to go through one by one, starting with Everybody's picks for the three best new restaurants that opened this year. Felice, why don't we start with you? What was your number one restaurant that opened this year? Oh, my God, this was so hard. So I'm glad you gave us more than one choice. So I would say Starfish was one of my top restaurants for this year. Field and Tides, and then One Fifth, the Steak. Steak, steak. steak. All right. Yes. Uh, Nathan, how does that compare to your list? All right. So I did four, not three, because I'm cool like that. And uh, (laughs) mine are uh, Starfish, Oxbow, Riel, and uh, Zochi. All right, Shanna. Mm. Yeah, I said I'm cool, so (laughs) deal with it. Well, clearly we have some some heavy hitters because we're overlapping. So I have Riel. I have Alice Blue, and I have Field and Tides. And then, Mary, how about you? All right. Maybe some of mine were going to overlap, but I'm going to make sure that mine don't for the most part here. Theodore Rex, for me, was a favorite. BLT or Better Luck Tomorrow. I'm going to put that out there now that they're doing brunch service, which is where I'm super happy at. And Oxbow 7. All right. And then my three, Riel, Aki, and Sochi, a lot of overlap. I think we, we've built some consensus around Sochi. And Riel. Riel. And Starfish. And Starfish. And Oxbow. O- and Oxbow. And um, so those they, are the best three. Right. Best four. Best four. Best four. You, you threw four I made in it there. four. So if you wouldn't have threw four, it may have would have been three, but you messed it up by doing four. I didn't, I didn't mess it up. I made it better. Okay. Top four. <laughs> Felice, what is it about Starfish that stood out for you? Just they're doing seafood very, very well. I mean, anywhere you go on the menu, from the appetizers to the specials to the pastas to the entree, there are hits, hit after hit after hit, and it's consistent. And and what I like about Starfish is it's not just seafood. Yeah. You know, they. I'm, I mean, I think they have a half a dozen different oyster preparations, raw, roasted, grilled, fried, probably a couple others. Um, 
but they have that steak tartare with the crispy shallots. They have that lamb T-bone so that it's, it's flexible in a way that other seafood restaurants have not always been. And in a year that's seen three very high-profile seafood restaurants close, uh, every time I go to Starfish, it's busy. So it's, it's clearly connecting with people. I would agree. Nathan, why don't you talk a little bit about <laughs> Easy for me to say. <laughs> Nathan, why don't you talk a little bit about what you liked about Riel? I like it's a really good kind of a upscale neighborhood restaurant for um, Montrose. It's done with a, a high level execution, um, and they they recently started doing a brunch, which I it's one of my favorite brunches in town. Um, one of my favorite dishes they do is this um, kind of like ham and cheese uh, croquettes with like a cheese uh, airy bechamel sauce. Um, it's like a their take on like a croque madame. It was really good. Uh, and then when they opened, they had this borscht that everybody thought was a joke and was fantastic. Yeah, the borscht is back on the menu now that the it's weather's back, cold. It's back now the weather's cold. It is uh, worth worth getting, worth converting to a borscht lover. Um, I've, pretty much everything I've had there has been very good. Uh, they take simple dishes, execute them at a very high level, uh, and then it's just a really cool-looking kind of small restaurant. And then Shanna, I know you mentioned Field and Tides and and yeah. I see I see Riel and Field and Tides as kind of uh two sides of a similar coin, right? They both have uh young chefs who are opening their own places for the first time. Um you know, Riel has those uh those croquettes that Nathan talked about. Field and Tides has those pimento cheese fritters that are kind of mandatory. Mm-hmm. They both do some seafood stuff pretty well. Um, what is it about Field and Tides that, that elevated it for you? I think the number one, the concept, the fact that he has the field and the tide and how Chef Travis executes, you know, I've been following him around as he's, you know, going from his, from others restaurants to now his own restaurant. And he's just always consistent and they have a killer cocktail program. It's a great neighborhood spot. Three checks for me. And then of course I, I am emotionally attached to Oxbow 7 a little bit because it was, it was announced, Brian Caswell and Jennifer Caswell came on this show to, to announce it, so I, I do feel a certain tie to it. Uh, Mary, you, you may not be quite as emotionally invested in it, but it did make your list. What is it about that restaurant that stands out? There's several things that stand out. Uh, first of all, the menu. When we went, we literally tried every single dish on the menu. We did a menu takedown, and his caviar uh, dish for the— was kind of an ode to the South, but a, a reinterpretation of a, a standard um, caviar dish with the chips, homemade chips. The desserts are amazing. Uh, the wine was good. Brian, Brian, the way that he described the concept and the menu and the execution of it was really, really was a full circle moment. It brought him home to downtown. Uh, I started eating his food at John George, and there's still some fish dishes, the crispy snapper that was stunning. I thought, um, and a beautiful decor. It's they're making restaurants relevant downtown, which really hasn't happened in the past. I would say, and I I love the concept overall. Yeah, I know. I know Brian wouldn't want us to say that it's a comeback, um, and maybe a, a reinvigoration of of what he did at uh, in the at Reef. But mm-hmm. but Nathan, it it is kind of. I mean, oh, it's, for it's sure. Brian Caswell reasserting himself as one of the city's best chefs. Yeah, it, it's Brian getting back into the kitchen, 
getting comfortable making new dishes, cooking again, and really putting his soul into food again that he hasn't done since he really created the menu at Reef originally. And you can tell, I mean, the food is good. It really is good. And the, the East Texas caviar that you mentioned is it would be in my top three dishes of the year. It was that good. Mm. And I, I feel that way about the, the Castanet Bun Ryu, which is one of my my favorite dishes, that, that crab broth with the uh, tomato and crab cake. Mm. Just so layered, like so complex, and yet like just very, very satisfying to eat. Uh, Felice, maybe what was, uh, what was one of your top dishes at, at a restaurant that didn't make your top three? Oh, that didn't make my top three? Yeah, what was your favorite dish from a restaurant – like, yeah, because my top dish was the baller board. I'm just gonna <laughs> and throw that out there. Like, no, 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 it was no. meat all day, every day. That was like my top dish. Mm-hmm. Um, probably hmm, come back to me. I have to think about that because baller board was mine. Just Nathan sticking. is like chomping at the bit. Nathan is chomping. At, He's just Nathan sticking. is chomping at the bit. So I'm gonna ask <laughs> Shanna what her. Uh, instead, I'm gonna ask Shanna what her top dish is. <laughs> Well, mine was the Tapa de Lomo, the four-pound ribeye cap from Saltillo. It is fantastic. I have gone not once but twice to enjoy that with a group of friends, and you do need a group of friends. It's just fantastic. It's consistent. It's seasoned well. You know, we tried to ask for the secret, you know, secret seasoning, but couldn't quite get that on the first two rounds. But, you know, I'm going to keep trying. Fantastic. Nathan, I know for your wife's birthday you guys went and took that thing down. What uh, – you're, you're a meat lover. What is it about that steak that just makes it so good? Yeah, uh, my family goes to Saltillo a couple times a year for the for the ribeye cap. It's uh, four-plus pounds of just the uh, the spinalis of the ribeye. Um, it's best, uh, in my opinion, it's probably the best steak in the entire city, um, or at least tied. I, it is ridiculously good. Yeah. It's just a simply seasoned spinalis, which is the most tender piece of, you know, cow there is, and it's huge, and it's tasty. It is delicious. Go do it, everyone in the city. Plus, it, you get to eat all this delicious Mexican food with it. Uh, their enchiladas are fantastic. Their um, their mole is really good. Um, so it's a, a really good steak experience in, in my mind. Um, uh, Saltilla is one of the, the better restaurants in the city, and it's still kind of undiscovered to this day. I agree with that. It's very under the radar, but it is definitely in my top ten. Yeah. One of my classics. All right. Well, we'll we'll come back to that. I wanna I wanna talk about some of the the dishes that we really like this year. Before we do that, Mary, what was what were your picks for the the top dishes of the year? Uh, the tomato toast at Theodore Rex for me is probably my favorite dish, and I know that's a very small, light bite, but I'm loving Chef's interpretation of a more approachable restaurant that you can pop in without a reservation, that it's a la carte, that the price points are affordable. It's a neighborhood restaurant. This is something way more approachable for somebody like myself than maybe Oxheart would have been. So all of the small plates, but the tomato toast is a standout for me. All right, Nathan, now it's your turn. What was your favorite dish of the year? So if we're talking about restaurants, new restaurants that didn't make my top three, it would be the crispy pork belly at Aki. That pork belly. That was my number two, but that was solid. Yeah, that pork belly. Uh, sadly, I had to share it with several people, but <laughs> I would have ordered three or four orders by myself. It is fantastic. 
It is crispy and soft inside, but I don't know if I've said this once or twice, but it's crispy. It's crispy, it's crispy, it's crispy. It is delicious. It's snap, crackle, crunch. It's great. Nathan, tell us how you really feel. Yeah, it's it's delicious. It's, it's good. Delicious. Clearly. You know, uh, and and playing with texture and including being thoughtful about the way the texture is included in dishes was something I really liked about Yawacha, which is a restaurant that we haven't talked about yet, but that that crispy chung fun with the bean with the fried bean curd, or the uh, the scallop shumai that had a had a crispy element to it. You know, it's it's difficult to say, hey, you should go spend thirty or forty or fifty dollars a person on dim sum when you can absolutely feast in Chinatown for fifteen twenty bucks a person. But I really do think there is something about Yawacha that that elevates that cuisine and just makes the expense worth it. Yuwacha is definitely, in my opinion, the the best dim sum in the city. Um, the price difference can give you pause. You know, do you want to spend, you know, $100 a person or do you want to spend 15 They have a, pri- but, a, a prefix that they started a month or two ago, 30 bucks. The $30 a person. And and I, did, the, I did that last week and it's solid. But plus you get the complete experience too, right? Like, for me, when you're talking about doing the dim sum, sometimes you got to go to different places to like, okay, I want this, I want that. There, you, you're in one spot and you get it all right there. So, I mean, I think it's, if you're an experienced person, you, you have no problem doing it. Yeah, they've recently started, like you said, Mary, it's around $30 for lunch. Comes with your own pot of tea mm-hmm. uh, and a dessert. And their desserts are really, not only a beautiful, but they're very good. Their tea selection is really vast, too. They probably have a couple dozen teas to pick from that are all beautifully done. All right, and there is there is one other dish I, I kind of want to talk about. Um, I think it's a restaurant that's maybe flying just a little bit under the radar. Um, what Arash Karat did at Beaver's Westheimer mm-hmm. to completely reimagine that concept, to give it legitimate barbecue chops, has been pretty impressive. It's a restaurant I've dined at uh, several times. Those barbecue brisket tacos that he made initially for the uh, – Houston versus the Houston barbecue throwdown, and then they were so good that he uh, he put them on the menu with the beef fat tortillas and the crema and the pickled onions. Just a really smart interpretation of Houston cuisine. A little barbecue, a little Tex-Mex, a little of his own ingenuity. It's something that I could eat again and again. Yeah, Arash is a chef I think we're going to see around the city mm-hmm. and a lot of different capacities doing some really great food for years to come. Yeah, we agree. He's killing it. People are, yeah. like you're saying, people are just kind of recognizing who he is. Yeah. He's in the front. He's winning all these contests because he kicks butt. His food is amazing. And he's having fun doing it. Like, how many times have we walked up to him at an event, you know, walk around tasting type of event, and he's just, like, you know, taking selfies and talking about the food. He's a really, really fun guy, and that shows in what he's producing. Yeah, Space City Cowboy on Instagram, a very entertaining follow. Yeah, he's a chef that uh, restaurateurs are definitely asking about, saying, uh, "What's he up to?" Yeah, what's mm-hmm. he? Is he is he happy? I had I had one restaurateur. <laughs> is, is he happy? Is he that's, happy that's, at that's Beavers? It. And I said, "I I don't. I assume that he's happy. It's not like <laughs> I am not an employment service. I, I he looks but, like a uh, happy guy. Right. He seems like a happy guy. But money talks. I think is the the short answer version of that. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about Saltillo as an established restaurant that we enjoyed as sort of rediscovered in 2017. Um, 
who has a pick for another restaurant that, that oh, Mary, good, perfect. What was your pick for a restaurant that you sort of reconnected with this year? BCN is still a relatively new restaurant, but I feel like for me, they are knocking it out of the park as far as service, their beverage program, gin and tonics, their entire menu is beautifully executed. And the chef and his wife um, are doing an incredible, incredible job there. You can, you can do seafood there. You can do traditional Spanish. You can have a steak. The wine list is a hundred percent Spanish. I like the authenticity of it and the experience there is, is first rate. Yeah, I mean, it, that is a restaurant I feel like I would like to eat at more often. It is difficult to book a table there, and it is a very expensive meal, which is a little bit hard for me. Um, Nathan, I know you had you went initially shortly after it opened. I know you didn't have a good experience. Your, your wife has vowed never to return, but it was number two on Allison's list. Mary just gave it a ringing endorsement. Are you ready to give BCN another shot? Hey. I'm always willing to give a restaurant another shot after a little bit of time. My wife, on the other hand, that bridge has burned so hard that the space and time where a bridge could be built has disintegrated. Um, Yeah, it's not possible for my wife to even... That place doesn't exist anymore in her mind. That is wow. Sometimes it's like that. Um, (laughs) Uh-oh. So, so I would be dining on my own, and my wife would be angry at me for about a week. So, but I, I would go. the The friend that I went with, uh, his wife, would also be angry at me for a week. It's that. It's that. It was that bad of an experience. There was a lot of money spent. A a drastically large sum of money was spent for a very I I'll say subpar to be nice experience. Um, but that does not mesh with virtually every person's experience that right. I've talked to. So we'll go when she's out of town. Yeah. And then you can just hide the credit card bill when it comes in. That's, or I'll buy and then it won't show up. That's, that's well, pretty if that's much, the case, invite yeah. me and a couple of other okay. people. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely want to give it another try. I, I've heard great things from virtually everyone that uh, has been there other than me. So I, I do want to try it. All right, and then Shanna, I know we we talked about Saltillo. Did you have another restaurant that you revisited and reconnected with this year? Yeah, Karen's. I mean, even though I know she newly opened her new wonderful location, you know, she has been around and continuously putting out great food for years. As a matter of fact, she was one of the first interviews that Felice and I had when we first started Urban Swank almost seven years ago. She is like our food mother. She's fantastic. Her passion doesn't is unwavered. Every time you see her, she's just, you know, going table to table. She's like the executive chef. She's the GM. She's the waitress. She's everything. And her food is always so good, so fresh, fresh ingredients. And as she told us on our last visit, I don't worry about how much time I spend in the kitchen. My product needs to be good and consistent every single time. That's a great comment. I love that coming from her. Yeah, she's fantastic. We love her. All right, let's, uh, let's take a little bit of a break, and then we will be right back to talk about uh, the restaurants that we will miss that close this year and maybe some of our worst dining experiences. So stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? So let's pick up the conversation with 
what I'm describing as the saddest shutter, the restaurants that we will miss the most in 2017. I'm going to I'm going to start off cuz I'm worried that one of y'all is going to steal this from me, of but course. it's it's definitely Bernadine's for me. I just you know, I I like to say that I don't I don't have long-term relationships with restaurants. I tend to have sort of 6-month flings with places. Hit it and quit it. Hit it and quit it. That's that's just yeah. the way. You know. You roll. That's how I roll when it comes to restaurants. It's it's a nature of my job, I guess. Uh, but Bernadine's was a place I kept going back to again and again. Uh, with friends, with family, with people in the restaurant industry. I always loved Graham Laborde's food there. And, you know, I I can kind of replace it with parts of the menu at, at a place like Riel or State of Grace or, or even Field and Tides. But it's it's not quite the same. Nothing nothing comes together quite like that for me. Um, so, you know, one of these, I, I know Graham is doing great work with, uh, Ronnie Killen right now had him on the show a few weeks ago to talk about some of that, but but one of these days he's going to open his own place and I'm going to be a very happy man. Uh, Felice, let me turn to you. What was the what restaurant that closed this year will you miss? I'll miss Holly's. Mm. I will miss that Doug Gumbo mm. Mm-hmm. and that um, coconut cake. Can um, we have a can we have a small yeah? Can uh, we have a moment of silence, silence just for those for two cake, dishes? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I will. I, I was so upset. I was like, oh my god, I won't get that anymore. I mean, I'm just, I saw it kind of coming. However, I'm still bummed out about it. Nathan, how about you? Um, you know, ever since foreign correspondence closed in 2016, I don't think there's been anything that has hit me like, oh, that's one of my favorite restaurants. But um, the uh, barbecue closure in Edo, um, Papa, Charles. Papa Charlie's, that one, uh, just because he's such a nice guy, you know, uh, you know, small family business type of thing. Uh, I was kind of, you know, I like to sit there and chat with him. Uh, I didn't get to go there that often because it wasn't my kind of local barbecue place. But that one was sad just because, uh, you know, I knew the guy. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's something we talked about on last week's show is that it's hard. You know, I was going to Papa Charlie's quite a bit when it opened. Uh, then the pit room opened very close to where I live. And I don't go to a lot of barbecue restaurants that aren't the pit room now because it's so good and so close. Yeah. yeah the pit room is, is pretty much the closest one for me. I've got a uh, Regal's kind of similar distance. So I'm, I'm split between those two. If I want a uh, local barbecue, I try to, to go to other ones I want to support too. But I mean, there's, there's several of them now. So, uh, you know, if you want somebody to stay open, you gotta, you gotta go give them your money. Yeah. And then Shanna, what about you? What, what, what restaurant will you miss? Glass wall. Um, it was something I think we have a lot of memories there. We have a lot of we have a lot of good eating uh memories there. Even some dancing on tables will will go um unnamed and undiscussed. But we have fun there. The food was good and it was a place that I wish I would have gone to before they shuttered, but it will be missed and I will remember all the great memories I shared. All right, Mary Clarkson, that brings us to you. All right, I'm going to piggyback on your Bernadine's um, hunky-dory because I love Richard Knight. I mean, he's one of my favorite chefs, and you can still see him around town at various pop-ups and whatnot. But I miss his cooking, and I miss his presence, and we all need some more Richard Knight in our life. All right, so we've done we've, – we've been very positive. We've been very upbeat throughout this whole show. Uh, but this is the moment that everybody's, like, fast-forwarding to Let's talk about 
the dishes that that disappointed us, uh, as I wrote in the the note I sent y'all, what restaurant will you never go back to? Nathan, there's a there's a very clear number one. For the <laughs> we two know of us. we know where Nathan won't go and can't go. Well, no, no. Oh we, no, I, I've got a I've got a, a a separate one. Bud's Barbecue may uh-oh. have may have been the worst food I've had. Certainly this year. Yeah, definitely this year. Outside of cooked by a a, a blind person. <laughs> well, I, I say that you know that's not fair because there's obviously many that could cook better food than that. Yeah, uh, Christine Ha, the uh, yeah. Master Chef winner. Could well, I, I don't think around. it would take somebody that talented to do that. It 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 was just terrible. The food tasted like it had been sitting, you know, in an you know unrefrigerated container for a week. It was well. And it we was talk bad. about. Talk about the the progression to barbecue and, and the ever more places serving Central Texas high quality, you know, heavily seasoned, heavily smoked meat. Bud's was just the total opposite: very lean, no seasoning that we could detect, no smoke flavor. I, I you know, it has it has a great location at Avenida Houston with some restaurants that I. Here's some places that I really like. Like I, I think the new grotto is actually like a kind of a pleasant surprise. But I I do not I I friends don't let friends eat at Bud's barbecue. So Bud's look like they, they once went to a Dickie's barbecue and said, I can almost be as good as this. <laughs> oh my god. Um I can do half as good as this. <laughs> and so they would they succeeded. Yeah, m- well maybe, <laughs> maybe. they were maybe. almost there. They were it, almost it might half, be, as it, good. half as good as Dickies is probably a pretty accurate <laughs> yeah. description for both. So the, let me open up in one of the most expensive places in all of Houston and have I mean was there any other people eating there at lunchtime in downtown? I think there was one. Like lit- like not one table. Like literally, one oh, that guy whose taste buds must have been burned off of his entire body. <laughs> yeah, oh, uh, it was that terrible. It was it was very memorable for all the wrong reasons. Uh, Felice, what about you? I know you had a candidate for restaurant you will not be returning to. Yeah, um, Poke Eatery. It was. <laughs> is this in a Randall's? Yeah, like no, what is that? What is... it's off of I ten. It's off. Of... <laughs> all right, so so how does Poke go wrong? Because. Right, exactly, right? So, first of all, let's start with it being hot. Oh. Yeah, I was like, um, it wasn't supposed to be hot, but it's like it's been out all day. What is going on? It was awful. It was awful. And then the person looked at me as if there was something wrong with me to go on to just tell me, what they thought, well, so poke, they're giving me the craze and the tradition. I'm like, sweetie, um, this is the worst poke in Houston, mm-hmm. and it's not supposed to be hot. And when, once I looked over, because I was very clear on what I wanted, it was kind of um, midday. I was trying to get my stuff. I look over at some of the other um, fish, and I'm like, okay, well, why would I expect it not to be hot? Because this fish is gray. Like, it was... It was just horrible. I'll never go back, and you know, I, I'm wondering how long they're going to be open because it was that bad. I've had a, a few instances in some of the the better poke places in Houston where their the rice was served a little too hot, so then the the poke gets a little, you know, the fish gets a little warm a little too quick. But it, it's mm. rare. Um, 
yeah, the rice was so far away from this pot. Because, see, I don't like my food to, I want to mix it, so that's not the case. Yeah. It was, wasn't the rice. No, no, I, we, we, <laughs> I, 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 this was a separate Separate comment. incident, okay. Yeah. I've never been to that Randall's I thought you were trying you. to help him. I thought you were trying yeah. to help him out a little bit. I've never been to that fiesta where you got your poke. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Shanna, how about you? Did you have a, a dish that, or an experience that has burned a restaurant forever for you? I mean, I hate to say forever because it just seems so permanent. But I remember leaving um, Harold's in the Heights and I went there for brunch. And I've, I've tried on a couple of occasions to really love the food. And that brunch, I, I remember calling Felice and being mad. Like I was mad that it was that bad. Oversalted having to prove that it was oversalted, like literally giving someone a fork or spoon and saying, put this in your mouth and taste it. It's oversalted. And then them literally gagging when they tasted it. It was just like, I, I, I want it to be great, but it's just, it, that experience was, was literally, and I took my mother with me for brunch that day, and I was literally mad when I left. Oh, no, that's always the worst. It's because horrible. You, you feel like your credibility as someone who knows. Yes, because I was taking her like, oh, I'm going to take you to brunch. You know, they had started a new brunch menu. Let me take you. Oh, and she's like, oh, yeah, well, you, this is what you do. It's going to be good. And she's looking across the table at me, rolling her eyes, you know, like, is this was this the place that you were talking about taking me to? I was literally embarrassed that my mother, see, I could deal with it and just not come back for brunch. But my mom is like literally to this day, like questioning my like decisions for locations to eat. It's, it's not right. And, and well, and that is know, devastated. I'm devastated. And they're and they're so nice, right? Ali Jarrett, the owner, is great. I love. Yes, I mean they've been. But chef wasn't there that yeah, day. Yeah, chef right? was not there. Now this is not a chef Antoine situation. We have had his food. We've had a nice um, form dinner. It's not that. I think it was more the experience. I think that they were in the middle of maybe getting ready for, I don't know, getting ready to start lunch. I just know that everything we had wasn't prepared right and the service was horrible and the managers that were on duty were literally non-existent and didn't care. It was just a bad experience. I hope at some point I can go back. I don't want to say I'll never return. I'm just, like my mom is, like she'll never come. I'll have to like see well, it was enough for me, me not to go. I'm like, okay, well, we'll go. <laughs> right. So it's like, I, it's definitely not a never, but it's something that I have to revisit. All right, Mary, I think you're about to, <laughs> you're about to get kicked off the show with this hot take. So no. I'm just going to stand back and let you, let you let fly. No, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to moderate myself. My mother said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. So, um, where I is will... she every other day of your life? <laughs> Always in my thoughts and texting me and reminding me of uh, all of these pointers. Um, Chef Olivia and I like to go out and try new restaurants, usually on Sundays or Mondays when um, we're off. And we have a history of whenever he's with me, we tend to have a much worse experience than if I'm by myself or with another group of people. So I will... I will throw him under the bus just for a moment. Um, we went to Rio when they first opened, and I have been back since and had better experiences. But the night that Chef and I went uh, was was not a, a good moment for the food side. The service was good. The wine list was good. Um, but the crudo and the frog legs didn't have a lot of seasoning or any seasoning. So other than that, um, I will return, but... Those were misses for me. And there's there's one other place that, that kind of stands out for me. I I had a, a pretty uh, disastrous experience at Balls Out Burger. Uh, we I had a I had a 
a very a very promising experience there um, before it opened with the owner sitting in the room, and then I came back just to see like is it is it really that good? Can it be that consistent? Because it's it's such a simple thing that New York style diner cheeseburger that's cooked in the beef fat. It's you know the toppings they they have since added bacon to their credit, but the the toppings are so simple and it's such a pure thing, um, and it it just it wasn't seasoned well, it wasn't cooked well. It took way too long to come out. And I remember, I, I wrote about this. I remember sitting there and, and one of the cooks was talking to one of the other employees just within my earshot, but not not paying any attention to me. And, and he said, I don't know why people keep saying this sucks. Like we're working our butts off. And I, I had that kind of like sitting in the front of the classroom moment where I wanted to just raise my hand and be like, I know, I know, pick me, but I also didn't want to get punched in the face, so I kept it to myself. Uh, but, and, but and and to their credit, I have seen recently on Facebook people people I know who like to dine out, friends of mine whose opinions I respect, say that it's that it's good that it that it merits a revisit, and and I keep thinking about it, you know, when I have a night to myself, or it's been a while. It's been a, it's been it's been a few months since that happened, and I have been. I just can't quite bring myself to make the commitment. I I don't want to eat another burger like I ate that one time. Yeah, when I went, it was pretty good. I remember you had your bad experience, and I mean, you talked about it, and I was kind of scared to go. But I mean, I was like, okay, I had no expectations, right? Like, if it was awful, I'm like, well, I already knew it was going to be awful. But it was anything, you know, south of awful. Hey, I was pretty good, and it it turned out pretty good. So you know. It was just south of awful. <laughs> just it was north of awful. <laughs> north, of, yeah, north of awful. All right, so let's take one more break and then let's come back and talk about some of what we're looking forward to next year. You're listening to What's Eric Eating. So to wrap things up, let's talk a little bit about what we are looking forward to next year. Nathan, why don't you start? So this is kind of a double-edged sword. Uh, I am looking forward to the new Chris Shepard. Every restaurant in Houston is going to turn into a steakhouse restaurant. But uh, at the same time, the fact that, you know, we're only going to have steakhouses in Houston pretty soon is, is kind of disappointing. I would like, uh, I mean, we'll still have Burger places and Tex-Mex and stuff. That's true. It's going to be the three. Uh, But, you know, I would like to eat other food on occasion. But, you know, and we talked about this. uh, Shannon Felice and I talked about this on last week's show that that there is room for steakhouses that do a good job and that one-fifth and now Georgia James, you know, searing the meat on cast iron, buying really good Texas beef, mixing up the sides a little bit, like those are things worth patronizing. Well, that's why I'm looking forward to it. If if we could replace a lot of these mediocre steakhouses with really well done ones and just not open new ones, I would be ecstatic. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just afraid that's not going to happen. We're just going to keep opening new ones. It's it, it's kind of like a virus instead of a, you know. Well, what will happen is we'll keep opening new ones and the ones that aren't so good, yeah. they're going to close. 
you, you know, we said that 10 years ago and it never happened. <laughs> they're still there? Yeah. No, Frisco's is still around. Yeah. Well, hey, no, you I had, know. no, no. Hey, Mary. <laughs> I had I had a very good meal at Del Frisco's not that long ago. I'm not going to name any of them. I, I worked yeah, with some of just... them. So, but but there are yeah. there are national chain steakhouses serving very similar menus. You know, Nathan, when you were on the show a couple of weeks ago, we rattled them off. They they are up and down Westheimer, all over the Galleria area. Smith and Malinsky could go. Smith and Malinsky could. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we I agree with. Yeah, we, we missed Smith and Malinsky's. We missed uh, Papa's. We missed Ruth Chris. So we still, we rattled off 10 and we missed another three or four. That's how many there are up and down the Galleria. It's called expense accounts. <laughs> and, then we, and then we didn't even name any of the like 12 Brazilian steakhouses oh, that's you know, true. in that yeah. same area. Yeah, yeah. That's true. There are a lot in this area. So there's a lot of places to eat, unhealthy quantities of red <laughs> meat in this town. And I'm happy about it. <laughs> Me too. Uh, Felice, I know you're excited about Georgia James. What else are you looking forward to? I'm excited about Georgia James. Um, if Tesla can get it together and bring knife here, steel is it steel? I know it's it's, it's, it's knife. It's it's John Tezar. It's knife, and it is delayed. I I, I know that's a what couple I'm saying. Ago. Yeah, it'll be like 2017. And so it keeps being delayed more. So that was one of the ones I was looking forward to, and of course, Truth Barbecue. True. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, that dun, is dun, dun, dun. the truth. That's the truth. Yeah, that is that's the truth. That's the truth. Yeah, we had had Leonard on the show a while back. I, I'm not sure that he was the the best podcast guest in the world, but but his passion for what he does and how he does it is pretty incredible. Uh, you, just you know, we were, that guy in the I head. know. And I think Jeez. we both and I think we both lost the bet, Eric, because it should have been open. You know, we made a bet on when it would be open. Yeah, I think we're now looking like in the February, March kind of. <laughs> yeah, we both we that. lost that bit. Yeah, both lost. Okay. Don't ex- don't expect to skip the line at Truth, man. I yeah, know. that was Eric that said that. Um, Your yeah. hall pass has been revoked, right. buddy. Leonard. Yes, yeah, so I, I thought you were a great episode. podcast guest. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> but, but his passion for what he does is is evident in the quality of the food that he serves. I'm a huge Truth fan. And even with an increasingly crowded market for good barbecue in Houston, I think it's going to be a very welcome, very popular addition. That's what you call backtracking. Mm-hmm. Way to go. It's called uh, compliment, not a compliment. <laughs> Shanna, I'm going to stop digging this hole. I'm going to turn it over, <laughs> Lay it over to me. Let me let me try to fix this. No, um, because I love everything that um, Ryan Kara and Morgan Weber do. They have the three concepts coming to East Downtown. I think one's a bar, there's a restaurant, there's a pizzeria. I love their stuff. We love Cultivar. We love Revival Market. I'm just ready for whatever they have. I love all their stuff. Mary, how about you? Mike Salmons is cooking up something in Edu, and I don't know all the details, but I know it's coming this year. So um, I'm excited about whatever that will be. Well, can I add one more? Just because of I just. Course. Because I'm just thinking, what about the, I'm interested just to see how the um, the restaurant that Aisha Curry is bringing, International Smoke. Oh, yeah. yeah, with Michael Mina. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested just to, because there's so much, like, she's so hot right now. You know, I want to just see if it's the truth is the hype is still all legit, you know? Yeah, and then on a kind of a smaller scale, I'm really excited about Flying Pho. Christopher Wong, the owner of Ninja Ramen, doing Northern Style Pho, uh, a cleaner broth, less aromatic, less 
heavily spiced. Uh, I don't quite know what that's going to look like or more importantly taste like, but I always enjoy my visits to Ninja Ramen. He's, he's succeeded uh, kind of by doing his own thing, not by serving the same style of tonkatsu broth that most other ramen restaurants around town serve. And he's got that kind of quirky sense of humor. I just think it's going to come together really well. Well, it'll be cool to see what's the pho, you know, with this pho. <laughs> that was terrible. That All right, was I, I had to go there. Sorry, I had to go there. What the, oh gosh, this, you guys are hilarious. So I, I think that about wraps up the topics that I wanted to cover. Felice, do you have a, a final thought? I'm just looking forward to 2018's <laughs> food. Um, I've requested elastics for Christmas. Because I know a lot of new restaurants are opening. And, oh, y'all were talking about meats and, what were you saying, steakhouses and um, burger places. Burgers. Tex-Mex. So we have to say goodnight, Charlie. I'm looking forward to some Tex-Mex. I'm just saying. Tacos and beer. That's all I'm saying. That's it. Nathan, how about you? What do you... you, uh... What do you what do you see for the future of 2018? Are we are we going to slow the rate of closures or are they going to continue? What are you what's your big prediction? I think we'll have some closures in the beginning of 2018 for sure. Um but I think it'll stem from there. Um I think there'll be closures. I think people will have a hard time saying they're from Harvey now. But uh the rent is just so outrageous. I think that's going to have a lot to do with it. The labor market in Houston is getting crazy. There's not enough people um not enough people to fill these jobs and there's so many restaurants opening um hopefully a lot of these you know a lot of these really cool restaurants the uh the potential italian restaurants uh potential italian restaurant in downtown uh from the b&b butchers guy uh seems to be really exciting i'm looking forward to that and then i wanted to throw a shout out to uh, la tab or la table depending on who pronounces it. <laughs> right. uh, that's one of my uh, my favorite restaurants in the city. I agree. So uh, I think uh, people should give that a try if they haven't. Yeah, we didn't mention the $200 uh, cognac steak as one of the dishes of the year, but oh my gosh. certainly one of the most decadent steaks in the city and something that I would uh, love to eat again. Yeah, Can it's I- more about the cheese souffle for me, though. Uh, yeah, that cheese souffle is very strong. Make sure to get truffles on it. <laughs> Shannon, how about you? What's your big prediction for next year in dining? I just feel like um, we saw this year an emergence of people kind of outside of Houston kind of getting it that we were a legit food scene. And I want people to quit like maybe 2018 will be, oh, I didn't know that Houston was a legit food scene. I'm kind of tired of hearing that with people that are coming in town. I want people to just know that we're legit and know that we're diverse and know whatever you bring here. If it's good, it's going to work. Just recognize us as the city of food, period. All right, Mary, we know that uh, French food has become trendy nationally. We've seen a couple of new French openings in Lucienne and Maison Pucci Bistro here in the last couple of months. Is 2018 the year that Houstonians just, that French food blows up in Houston? I don't know if it's the year that French food blows up in Houston. Let's hope that people expand their horizons to French, European, uh, classic classic dishes, but as well as contemporary. I think there's room for new entrants as long as people embrace 
what these chefs are putting out. The chefs are listening to the consumer, and that's what really matters. Um, casual, more casual dining, though, is, is where it's going to be. So for me, if, if 2017 was the year that the rest of the country discovered how awesome Hugo Ortega is, he won a James Beard Award, he's partnering on a new restaurant with Michael Mina, he was just featured on CBS Sunday Morning. My hope for 2018 is that the rest of the country discovers how awesome Ryan Para is, that Indianola is a big hit, that Cultivari continues to be excellent, mm-hmm. and that the rumors that uh, he and Morgan are maybe kicking the tires on properties in Montrose is true and that I have a uh, agricultural hospitality concept that I can, at least in theory, walk to. That does it for this week's episode. Let me just thank my co-hosts, Shanna Jones and Felice Sloan from Urban Swank. You can follow them on all social platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, Urban Swank, and of course, urbanswank.com, constantly updated. Nathan Ketchum, we can follow you on Twitter at H-Town Food Junkie, at least until we finally shame you into a less ridiculous Twitter handle. And maybe on the Instagram. It takes work to come up with a new one, man. All right, submit your – you can email me, Eric, E-R-I-C, at culturemap.com with new ideas for Nathan's Twitter handle. <laughs> uh, Mary Clarkson, laolivierhouston.com. I know you've got um, – Big plans for New Year's Eve, yes, at the restaurant? Yes, we do. We are going to mirror our kind of Christmas Eve uh, category of doing high-low. So fried chicken and Chateaubriand are the themes of New Year's Eve. We like. You can can make your reservations for that by (laughs) calling the restaurant. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter, at eSandler, on Instagram, at Eric Sandler. You can read culturemap.com for my picks for... The best restaurants of 2017, including a couple of places we didn't get to on this episode of the podcast. Of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Google Play. You can rate it. You can leave a comment. But like Katie Nolan always says, only if they're five stars and only if they're nice. Thanks so much for listening. Woot woot. It's a wrap, guys.